You are listening to Beyond Sets and Reps, where we provide the performance edge. I'm your host, Pat Ivey. And I'm your co-host, Mackenzie. And thanks for tuning in to another episode. Culture of accountability is when a lot of your athletes are doing what they're supposed to be doing, when they're supposed to be doing how they're supposed to be doing it. Competence. Do your athletes know what they're supposed to be doing so that they can do what they're supposed to be doing? Are they committed? Will they see it from the start to the finish? Will they complete the task? Are they consistent? Maria Taylor joined ESPN as a college analyst and reporter in 2014, one of the network's most versatile commentators. Taylor was named a reporter for the College Game Day and ABC Saturday Night Football in 2017. She added NBA Countdown hosting duties to her roster in 2019. She had previously served as host of SEC Network's traveling pregame show, SEC Nation, alongside analysts Tim Tebow, Marcus Spears, and Paul Feinbaum. Taylor's versatility is showcased on a variety of ESPN shows and platforms as she hosts College Football Live, Big Monday, and NCAA Women's Final Four studio coverage, serves as a regular co-host on Get Up and works as a sideline reporter on Saturday primetime and marquee men's basketball games throughout the season. In addition, Taylor is an analyst on other SEC and ESPN telecasts, including volleyball and women's basketball. She is also part of ESPN's NBA draft coverage. Prior to 2012, Taylor was reporter and host for IMG College at the University of Georgia for three years. She also appeared on various studio shows, including Dog Report, SEC Men's Basketball Tonight, and Sports Night. Taylor attended the University of Georgia, where she played volleyball and basketball for the Bulldogs. She was named to the All-SEC Volleyball Team three times and was also a member of the USA A2 National Volleyball Team. She graduated from the University of Georgia in 2009 with a degree in broadcast news. She returned to the university to pursue her MBA, which she completed in May of 2013. She is a native of Alpharetta, Georgia. And without further ado, welcome to the show, Miss Marie Taylor. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, this is this is a blast. This is a pleasure for us to have you. Uh, can you tell our listeners a little bit more about yourself? Yeah, um, I went to school at the University of Georgia, played volleyball and basketball there. Um, when I showed up, you know, I thought I wanted to be a team doctor, but, you know, took biology classes, didn't really like it, then switched over to business and took accounting, didn't like that either. And then I took a class with one of my best friends who was majoring in journalism, and I really enjoyed it. And I saw that people were coming to broadcast our volleyball matches and realized that that's something that I would definitely be interested in pursuing and doing moving forward. So I just completely, you know, entrenched myself in the broadcasting world, uh, majored in broadcast journalism. And as soon as I graduated, I worked at the University of Georgia with our basically internet broadcasting volleyball matches and doing radio broadcasts for the women's basketball team. So my dream was always just to find ways to make it to the women's final four and broadcast it and be at national championships for volleyball. And so everything that's come from my career beyond that was definitely more than I could have ever imagined. 
And Maria, could you speak a little bit on, I heard something in your intro um, that I did not previously know that you went back and got your MBA. And for someone who had already kind of, I don't want to say accomplished all your goals, but gotten to the level that you had gotten to, what was the motivation behind going back to school, even though you had already, like you said, gotten to the final four and and kind of gotten to that place in broadcasting that what that was your ambition? I think part of it was, you know, I was still kind of freelancing at that time and I was working for, you know, Comcast Sports South or Cox Sports, um, the ACC Digital Network, but I wasn't a full-time, so I was coming to that point in life where it's like, okay, you're about to be pushed off your parents' insurance because you're turning 26 and you also need to figure out, okay, is this going to be a long-term play or will you always be a freelancer? Will you be able to take care of yourself? And every year you just don't know how many games you're going to get. So I thought I would go back to school. My backup plan would be working in athletic administration. I knew that I would have to go back and get an additional degree um, if I wanted to work towards maybe being an AD or something like that. So that's when I decided to go back to school. And of course, as soon as I start school, that's kind of the year that I got the offer to do a full package of college football. And, you know, my broadcasting career picked up at the same time that I was in school, but luckily I was in a part-time program. So we went to school every other week, you know, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, my professors were great and I was able to finish. And I'm so thankful for it because I have a group of friends from a completely different, you know, walk of life. They were all having their kids and a lot of them had had their own businesses or had worked in the corporate world. So it was cool to have that you know, different lane to drive in while I was been working on my broadcasting career. And honestly, I just love to learn. I would go back and get my doctorate um, because I enjoy it so much. So it's just something that I value. Education is something my grandma like preached to us at all times. My parents preached it to us. It's something that I think is very special and valuable and, and no one can take it away from you. So you grew up in a household where education was valued, but that happens to maybe some other people as well. But how do you know to take that information and then be applying it and preparing yourself to be a professional while you were a student athlete? I think because, you know, when you're a women's basketball or a volleyball player or anything like that, you you know and you recognize that my future, although it could be short-lived as a professional volleyball player, it's not going to be forever. So you're always planning for what is what are my future goals? What Who am I outside of sports? And a lot of times it is difficult to view yourself in that way. It's difficult to imagine what your identity is like when you're not introducing yourself as, you know, I'm Maria Taylor, the Georgia volleyball player. When does that stop? Or Georgia basketball player. Um, and I understand that that's difficult, but I do think that women that are playing sports in college, we have an easier transition because, you know, we understand that there's not, you know, a, a huge dumpster full of money waiting for us at the end of that rainbow. We know that it comes to an end and either we're going to choose to play overseas for nine months of our life or, you know, play professionally in the WNBA and they have shorter seasons. They don't make as much as the men, obviously. So you need to have a passion for something else. And you have to figure out what that passion is. So me and I had great teammates around me. Like we all pushed each other. We worked hard together. One of my best friends, she was on my team. She was my roommate my entire um, college career. We got the same major. Like we enjoyed school. We enjoyed the balance. We were still hanging out with our friends, but we got our work done. We had our projects and you know what I mean? Like it was just a good balance. I felt like for me in college. And did you know while in college, were you 
aware of that? Or is that something that you see now looking back? Like Pat has his book just came out. It's called The Table. And it's essentially, um, you know, to help student athletes realize to not realize in the moment to not leave any opportunities on the table. So do you think being, you know, not seeing that like pot of gold, the, the potential pot of gold, like, you know, maybe football or basketball players might see, did that help you be more aware of it in the moment? Or, or like I said, is that kind of some wisdom gained after the fact? Oh, absolutely. I feel like I, I knew it in the moment that, um, this is going to be great. And I remember, you know, even my club volleyball coach was like, this is the best shape you'll be in in your whole entire life. And I remember thinking, I was like, no, I'll always be in shape. And it's like, no, that's true. <laughs> like college is going to be one of, it's going to be some of the best days of your life. And you can't take it for granted and you can't take for granted the people that you are going to meet during that time, because they're the ones that are going to elevate you. I mean, the way that I first got on TV was because of one of our assistant athletic directors picked up the phone when Comcast Sports South called and asked for a volleyball analyst and they gave him my name. And that's how I got, you know, my first job on television. And so I recognized that the relationships were probably more valuable than scholarships or playing volleyball. And, you know, there were frustrating times. There were times when I thought about transferring, but I thought being at Georgia and maintaining the friends that I had, the culture that I was, um, you know, kind of becoming a woman in was more important than anything, than any wins or any losses or anything else that you're going to take away from being a student athlete. Maria, what do you attribute your level of maturity, which is outstanding and amazing? What do you attribute that to? I think a, a big part of it, you know, my parents are, they've been together going on, 32 years um they met in college and kind of like I have a confidence that I can one go out and pursue my dreams because I recognize that there's like this safety net for me and I understand that not everyone has that so they maybe they can't step out on a limb as much as I feel like I've been able to but I also have a very strong faith and so I think if you have that then it doesn't matter what way you kind of grew up you know if you're constantly praying or thinking through steps or you know asking for guidance and you're asking for wisdom and you're surrounding yourself with the right people then it's going to make you mature um and i think again it's all about trying to figure out okay what are the lessons that i can learn in the losses what are the lessons that i can learn in the wins how do i manage to stay humble how do i recognize when you know i'm not being humble so i'm being you know chopped down a little bit down the size and that that's okay too or that it's not my time. I'm not ready to say be a starter or I'm not ready to work a national championship yet. I need to wait my turn so that when I am on that stage, I can shine. Um, and so all of those things, I think it comes with time. And at each, I look back on my college years and I was like, I was a jerk. Like I was cocky and I was overconfident and I was that freshman that you love to hate. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> they're good, but you know, you want to be like, just shake them. <laughs> uh, and I recognize that about myself, uh, but I, I also think part of that is, okay, do we all, do you have self-awareness? I think that's so important. Like, that is a game changer in most people's personality. Are they just self-aware? Do they recognize when they've done wrong? Can they say that they've done wrong? Can they apologize to people? Do they respect others? Like, these are all questions that we should constantly be asking ourselves and just trying to check on. And speaking to that kind of having that safety net, um, you know, and, and being able to go out on a limb and take chances. Is that something um, that you're doing with your winning edge leadership? Um, you know, for people that don't know, Maria has um, this winning edge leadership where it's essentially um, providing a network 
to develop the future leaders, you know, through sports and entertainment. Um, so is, is that your way of kind of providing that safety net for people who, like you said, may not be fortunate enough to have it like your parents were for you? Oh, absolutely. I think in our, one of our big focuses are students that are first-generation college graduates. And um, the idea being that we can financially support, we can emotionally support, we can help build a network, and we can help teach you know women and minorities how to navigate a world in which maybe they, they're not accustomed to, but they've been thrust into because they're student athletes. And you know they might be a great running back, but do they know how to navigate a room or you know how to speak up in a if they're in the middle of a conference or something like that? And so, you know, we're celebrating our fifth year anniversary this year. And obviously, we probably won't be able to have our June retreat because of um, the COVID pandemic. But that doesn't mean that we're going to stop trying to help student athletes continue to grow themselves. Because I think what I've noticed is I go on a lot of campuses. I see a player that was there for three years that was a superstar, did great, um, maybe played in the league for two years. And now I've been on the sidelines long enough where I'm, I see them again. They're, they've come back around. and they're not sure what to do. And that makes me nervous. Yeah. Well, congrats on everything that you're doing with your Academy. You mentioned, I want to go back to something that you mentioned, you said self-awareness and that was something that you had discovered or maybe it's something you developed. Can you talk about that? Um, the athletics director here, Vince Tyree at the university of Louisville told me that's one of the hardest traits to either have someone um, learn or discover about themselves. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, I mean, and honestly, it is difficult. I think a lot of times, think about an athlete. You want to change their footwork or something, and for a long time, they're going to fight you on it because they're comfortable with the way they're used to doing it, and they've had a lot of success doing it that way. So it takes, you know, building an understanding of, okay, well, maybe I am not the best version of myself if I keep doing it this way. And that's the beginning steps of self-awareness. I mean, that might be a physical version of self-awareness, but that's something that also has to be developed mentally within student-athletes. And I think that's something that coaches and administrators and everyone should be working on. Um, but I was lucky enough to, you know, my athletic director was Damon Evans. My senior women's administrator was Carla Williams. You know, they're both African-Americans and I looked up to them and I had opportunities to just go sit in their offices and talk to them about how I feel, felt about whether how this is how the team is going or this is why I want to play basketball too. Or what do you think about me trying this career? Like I always had a, a very comfortable place to go and feel that no matter what I decided I wanted to do, I could confidently go in that direction. But I also had people that could completely and totally hold me accountable and I trusted those individuals. So there's a, a strong balance between having someone that can tell you that you're wrong, that you're going to believe and listen to, and also someone that's going to build you up. And again, and that's what we try to do with our leadership academy. If you didn't have that growing up all the time, then maybe we can provide a little bit of that for you. And I've seen from a lot of students, sometimes it's just like a, a woe is me mentality instead of trying to figure out, okay, I need to put myself out there. And if someone doesn't respond right away, it's not about me. Maybe that person is busy or maybe I didn't structure my email correctly or how can I go back and make something better? And these are the ways we're always trying to be solution driven. And I think if we are continuing to teach, you know, the next generation, how do we find solutions instead of focusing on problems all the time? 
then maybe that'll be one step closer to evaluating yourself. Okay, how can I be more of a solution in this situation? Um, but it's a process. Again, when you're 18, 19, 20, you're just worried about like whether or not this guy likes me. Did I pass? <laughs> And did I score enough points to make myself look good? You know, there's like another layer or level that you get to maybe your junior or senior year when you're like, okay, I also have to lift up these freshmen. And now I got to be a role model. And am I being, you know, a good ambassador to my school? But it, it does take time to get there. This podcast is sponsored by Sorenex Exercise Equipment. Since 1980, Sorenex has been a family owned business responsible for legendary innovations and training solutions that have changed the face of strength training. Today, Sorenex is the most sought-after strength brand for professional teams, colleges, high schools, and military units. During this process of growth, our clients have become an extended family to us, part of our brotherhood, our culture. We want to thank you, our customers, friends, and family for being the foundation on which Sorenex is built. We promise to do our best to continue to serve you with the best strength training equipment and service in the industry. And for our listeners um, who might want to get involved in the Winning Edge Leadership Program, like what type of kind of mentors and network, you know, who who all is involved in your organization? Like what from what, um, you know, industries and things like that? Uh, we are wide stretched all over. In our first retreat, we actually had Donna Shalala, um, who was there, and obviously she's worked in the White House and works in politics um, in Miami. Um, Carla Williams was there also. She's the athletic director for UVA, and like I said, she was my senior women's administrator. We've had people there that work for the Clippers, the college football playoff, um, who've worked or went to school at Ohio State, a guy who started his own business, and he comes and teaches us mental toughness. Um we have Trevor Moad, who works also in mental toughness. He's worked with Alabama football, currently um, works with Georgia football and several others. Russell Wilson, you, I mean, you name it. He's kind of worked with a lot of individuals. And our last retreat in Atlanta, we brought students, student athletes to the Braves. We took them to Turner Sports and we took them to Jackson Spalding, which is a marketing firm. And just um, allowing them to spend time with people that work in different industries and see how, okay, this is how professional sports work. This is how baseball works. A lot of minorities or women aren't thinking about baseball. We teach them about emerging sports. This is what the esports world looks like. This is what it's like if you wanted to work in NASCAR. You know, just trying to open up their minds to all the possibilities so they're not stuck in, okay, I have to go pro or I have to work in college sports or I can only work and do what I've seen. There's so much more out there to push for, and that's what we are trying to do. And we always have two nights full of dinners where we just invite guests from across the sports industry to network with our student-athletes who have essentially already been vetted. We know that they're good kids, they're good conduits at their school, but they just need that first step. They need an opportunity, a hand up, not a handout, and we try to provide that with the networking opportunities that we give during the summers. Yes, you you seem like a very driven and focused person. So I want to throw something out there to you. You mentioned uh, the thought of going and getting a PhD, and I want to encourage you to do that. Uh, oh, <laughs> you, thank you. You definitely <laughs> you, you definitely have 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 what it takes. So, what's next for you to accomplish? Um, you know, I know you've um, been broadcasting. Uh, you thought about being an administrator, uh, maybe an athletics director, what's next uh, for you? I mean, I do, 
I definitely think one day going back to school, getting that doctorate, um, in my mind, maybe that turns into writing a book, maybe using my thesis or whatever I have to develop over that time to, to write a book. Um, I would love to get more into content creation. Um, as people always say, content is king. So being able to say direct a 30 for 30 or produce a TV show or kind of be behind the scenes at some point. I understand that, you know, my job in a lot of ways is like being an athlete. So you have a certain time where you are hot, you have a certain time where you're in your prime. Um, and I'm fit for the competition now, but will I always be, I don't know. Will I always be able to travel all over. Will I have to, you know, learn to create a more balanced life. And it's hard to have that with the sports broadcasting career I've decided to have. So these are all things that I'll get to when I have to cross that bridge. But, you know, there's a lot of opportunities out there and I certainly want to explore them all. And I also envision a world in which maybe I do just go back to Georgia and work in the administration, live in I love Georgia. I grew up in Alpharetta, you know, an hour away from Athens. Like I would love to come back home and put everything that I learned going around the world covering sports um, back at my university. Um, speaking of everything that you've learned kind of going around the world and the amazing opportunities that you have, um, would you mind telling us a little bit about what it means to you to be such a role model for, you know, the essentially the young girls that you you may not have necessarily had someone to look up to in, in the sports broadcasting industry, um, but that you knew that that's what you wanted to do. And now there are young girls all over the country, all over the world even, who see you as I could be her one day. And so what, what does that feel like and what does that mean to you? Um, well, one thing I think it's just important to acknowledge it. Uh, I feel like some people don't really like being a role model and honestly, I enjoy it. I recognize it as an immense responsibility. Um, I believe it's a platform that I've been blessed with for what reason I don't really know, but something that I'm not going to just throw away or take for granted. So it's important to me that when I'm on sidelines or a young woman reaches out and says that she wants to shadow that I try to find ways to offer those opportunities. You know, I was supposed to work the women's basketball final four and I was going to have two young ladies with me shadowing, one of which had actually shadowed me the year before and she wanted to come back and do it again. And another one who just finished up her senior year playing volleyball at the University of Oregon, she's actually already doing a couple of things for the Pac-12 network. And she shadowed me last year at college game day when we were there. And um, I just think it's important. I think that you need to see images like you I know that for me, like I've never, I never saw anyone like me on college game day. So I never thought, oh yeah, that's what I'll be doing in 10 years or whatever when I was in college, but it's something that I am able to do. And now I recognize that that might become someone else's dream. Like maybe they can dream of that and go even further than me. So the, the saying that they always say, we stand on the backs of giants. And I believe that, like, I believe someone had to get to Lisa Salters had to be on the sidelines for college football for me to make it to college game day, to do college game day and the sidelines, you know, um, you know, Holly Rowe had to be doing all of the sports for 25 years for them to consider putting women on everything. You know, like there's all these steps that had to be made incrementally for me to get to where I am. And hopefully I can just take another step so the next generation can come. But I think it is so important and sometimes even when I'm tired or exhausted, it's the moments that a young lady reaches out or a student athlete. I mean, and a lot of times men do too. I have them shadow me as well, young men. And it's the same thing. It rejuvenates me. It refreshes me. I recognize that some people are energized by alone time. I'm energized by being around people. And if that's 
what's been put inside me, then I'm going to use it um, for good as long as I can. Awesome. Something that Mac and I know we're both passionate about is that life after sports, What what's next? And something else that we're passionate about is working out, staying in shape. Mm-hmm. What do you do? So I am a, obviously with volleyball, we do a lot of high intensity type training. So a lot of what I do, say I might go on a three mile run, but you know, I'll run for five minutes, um, speed walk for two, start running again for five. And I just personally like that better. I get so bored running. I just need the, the change. Um, I love Soul Cycle. I don't have a Peloton. I use Soul Cycle because you can kind of go to any studio anywhere and I travel a ton. So I like cycling because um, it feels like it's easier on my knees. And I still do weight training. A lot of times it might be just eight pound, 10 pound dumbbells, but it's something whether I'm, you know, doing jabs or doing presses, curls, you know, all that stuff to make sure that my body's in tune. Um, I love running stairs. So that's something we did a lot when I was in college and it just feels like it takes me back, you know? <laughs> I, I enjoy it too. It's a body. Yeah. Resetting your body is important. I think it's important when you're traveling, you know? It's like, I, I re- people always say, how do you not stay, get sick? And I'm like, you drink a lot of water, you work out, and like take your vitamins. Your body will reset and take care of itself. And did you find that it was easier to kind of keep up that routine after being a college athlete or were you almost kind of burned out from working out and it it took a little like reprogramming to be like, okay, but to be a normal person, I still need to do this. (laughs) Yeah. It took some reprogramming because I think I enjoy, I enjoy being around people, like I said before. So working out with my team was something that was special. And so you kind of lose that motivation it's just you and you're just telling yourself. And so originally the way I got back into it was taking classes. So that was a soul cycle class or something like that. And now I can get up and go, I'm, and I'm like, I don't wake up and do it anymore. A lot of people wake up and they're like, all right, 6am they're going to work out. I'm not an early riser. I'm like a 7pm go for a run at dusk, come back, have my dinner, you know, and go to wind down that way. So I'm kind of the reverse of most people, but, um, yeah, I mean, I really do enjoy it, and I think it's important. And whether it's a hotel gym or just running around a city, you got to do something to just kind of clear your mind. And it really helps when you're in stressful situations or you have a job that's stressful. And absolutely. And and right now, maybe when this episode is released, we might still be under uh, a no travel. Uh, restriction, quarantine kind of restriction thing going on. What do you do from a mental health wellness standpoint to keep yourself where you need to be? I think for me, the biggest thing, and I keep going back to faith, but it's like starting out the morning with, I have this YouTube link that I watch. Stephen Furtick is a pastor in um, Charlotte and it's Elevation Church. I love him. He first he just speaks to me. He's like young, hip, funny. And he literally for like four minutes just speaks words from the scriptures from the Bible that are full of hope or peace or just reminders of God's promises. And it's just four or five minutes. And it's like while I'm drinking, I wake up and drink hot water and lemon too. It's like that's the start of my day. And that's a reset. Um, I have a planner, which this is new. I started probably about a year and a half ago, but trying to really plan out my day. And even during COVID, like, 
okay, at 9.30, I'm doing this podcast interview, and then I still, I write down that I want to work out at 7, even though I kind of know that that's going to happen anyway, but, like, just seeing it written down means something to me, Um, and trying to have some kind of regularity when my life is so irregular and uncertain, so the things that I can control are just, like, writing down my schedule, waking up and hearing those words in the morning. If those are the only two things I can control, then those are the two things I can control, the things that I listen to, um, the podcast that I listen to, it, it fills me up, whatever that may be. So I want to hear the daily. I want to hear the New York times. I want to hear Joyce Meyer in the morning, or I want to hear a masterclass from Oprah, you know, whatever that looks like. And so while I'm showering or something, I'm filling myself up with something that's not necessarily, doesn't have to do with work all the time, but it feel it's good for me. It's like taking time for me, even in like 15 minutes, 20 minutes spurts. And that's important too. I think that's great that for someone who seems to lead such an irregular life, and I say irregular as in not as structured, um, you know, always traveling and here and there and everywhere kind of a thing, that um, the thing that you're going to mentally during this time is kind of a sense of normalcy and structure um, because, you know, that's kind of what helps ground us. Um, So I think that that was just really a great kind of thing to highlight for people um as they're panicking i guess um of hopefully not but um do you have any thoughts or any um any ideas on what the role of sports is going to be like maybe let's say for the rest of this year and maybe you know kind of the morale of the nation and you know as we're kind of returning to normal do you have any thoughts on, on what that might look like in terms of you know people getting back into normal life, whatever that looks like after this. I think that sports always plays a a role the same way that it did during 9-11. You know, when you saw a baseball game back on, people started to think, okay, like maybe we're going to be okay. We're going to come out of this and life is going to move forward. And I do believe that in a lot of ways, sports is going to take over that role moving forward. I mean, I believe and I hope and pray that we have a football season. And even if that means it doesn't start until October, and even if that means only friends and family can be in the stands because we're not ready to have 100,000 people together at a football game, and but that means that it's on television, then let's do that. You know what I mean? Like finding safe ways to get everyone back in an arena or getting everyone back in a stadium or finding some ways – um, a method of quick testing to make sure that, you know, every athlete at that current moment in time it does not have the virus and can play in these games. I think it would just give everyone something to look forward to. I mean, you could even see it when ESPN announced that they were going to start running the last dance documentary early. Just the reaction and the response to that was, you know, a resounding thank you and relief that there was going to be something new about sports to talk about and something interesting for everyone to engage in because as we all know sports is the great equalizer and what we're also learning is this virus has been an equalizer and forcing us all to do the same things which is basically stay at home readjust work from home parent from home do everything and so the, the thing that we're going to find that can be normalizing for us or something that we could all talk about or put on a television and sit down and watch with our kids and our family is going to be a basketball game. It's going to be, you know, watching your favorite football team with their new quarterback or whatever the case may be. And so I do imagine that something that's going to bring us, you know, back to life in a lot of ways will be sports. And hopefully that happens sooner than later, obviously, as long as it's safe for everyone that's involved. 
Thank you so much, Maria. It's been a pleasure having you. Uh, we're going to wrap this show up. And can you tell our listeners where they can find you? Yeah, for sure. I am on Instagram at Maria Taylor. I am on Twitter at Maria Taylor. And I am also on Facebook. I have a Maria Taylor Facebook page. So a lot of the same stuff posted on all of them. But yeah, I'm pretty engaging. Reach out to me, ask questions. And I enjoy, love talking to sports fans whenever I can. Thank you so much for joining us. And we're going to wrap this one up. You have a great day. All right. Thanks, guys, for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of Beyond Sets and Reps, where we provide the performance edge. This podcast has been brought to you by our sponsor, Soranex Exercise Equipment. To make sure you don't miss an episode, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or your preferred podcast provider. You can find show notes and more at beyondsetsandreps.com. That's B-E-Y-O-N-D-S-E-T-S-A-N-D-R-E-P-S dot com.